Hello, dear viewers and listeners. Welcome to the latest episode of Extra Extra. It's all about whiskey. I remain your host, Jason Johnston Yellen. He remains partner in crime, Joshua Morrissey Hatton. That's me. I feel like I should do this to say, welcome, Joshua. And yet on my screen, it would be, welcome, Joshua. So I think you're right, Jason. I think that's a good idea. <laughs> it's all too confusing. I'm just going to keep <laughs> staring straight ahead. Um, Regular listeners know the drill, but if you're happening upon us for the first time, if you're wandering around YouTube and this has been presented to you in Extra Extra, Joshua and I discuss a whiskey-related news article. We riff on it. We kind of turn it by the harsh light of day. <laughs> uh, we don't reach conclusions, and no. we get out of here in a tight 35. Checks out. Does that about sum up the enterprise? Yeah, I don't think you could ever come up with a... A conclusion or a solution within 35 minutes. All we could do is discuss it, <laughs> pontificate, and uh, throw in the occasional dick joke. Uh, give, give people something to ponder. Today is definitely a ponderable, and it's it's something we've we've discussed on One Nation Under Whiskey. We've dabbled in extra, extra. It comes on the heels of our last episode where we talked about the modern whiskey industry. Mm. And we've been talking to retailers. We've we've spoken with Anthony and Holly and Bikram. We have another retailer coming up uh, for you know, <laughs> shortly for mm -hmm. a, an upcoming episode of One Nation Under Whiskey. And today's episode is is somewhat, maybe not shockingly, but it, it's an aggressive title. The title is the whiskey industry's looming crisis. And this comes from an industry industry insider, industry expert. This is David Driscoll. Mm -hmm. um, I know the name uh, from K&L, yep. uh, a very, very popular uh, California store, uh, stores around LA. David Driscoll knows of what he speaks, and he knows about it from multiple angles. Mm -hmm. uh, we are pulling an article from his blog, called 219. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's the 219 is the blog name. Yeah. Right. And I'm, I'm just double-checking the URL. It is it is the words, 219.com. Uh, hyphen, just like Johnston Yellen, there's a hyphen between the 2 and the 19. That's, <laughs> that's adorable. That's going to create a whole load of trouble for that blog when it purchases airline tickets. It is going to have so much problem flying. <laughs> it's going to need two forms of identification. Uh, its social security number is going to be deeply problematic for it. So good luck, 219. Godspeed in this world. So so in David's article, I'll, I'll give you a brief outline, and then we'll kind of go through a few points that mm. are being made in here. But David essentially breaks down the American whiskey industry yeah. and what's happening at, at, the, at the level of American retail. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think it makes plenty of points that are applicable to our world of scotch and, and, then, and then somewhat to our world of, of world single malts. But, but I think those could be treated a little differently. So yeah. I would say for the purposes of today's episode, I want to use David talking about American whiskey industry, but you and I also rolling in scotch. Okay. 
yeah. and, and where we see uh, points of similarity and, and points of difference. But but he, he opens with a great quote, uh, and, and I do, as Joshua and I always say here, go over to the original source, read the full article. Please consider this an advertisement for David Driscoll's blog post uh, and not just take it as us giving you all the news that's fit to print. Yeah, there, uh, there, there is more to read in his post, so please do go check it out too, hyphen 19com and David Driscoll. The whiskey industry's impending. What's the final word, Joshua? Uh, not impending, looming crisis. Looming. So it's looming. Haida's uh, gotten into looming recently, which has been quite. It's nice. very popular. Yeah, it's very yeah, nice. Very popular. Yeah. It's very relaxing, actually. If if the whiskey industry does have a looming crisis, it will be a relaxed crisis. <laughs> so that one goes out to our friend <laughs> too in, in the Netherlands. Um, so yeah, so so David says no one really seems to have a grip on what exactly is causing the lag in sales. So the problem gets treated with conjecture and generalization. Mm-hmm. And and I and I do feel like we're very much in that place. You and I, in personal conversations and in industry conversations, in episodes of extra extra. Yeah. There is conjecture and generalization. We, when we talk to Anthony and Holly and, and Bikram, there is this sense of people are seeing a changing landscape, but it's not clear that everybody's landscape is changing for the same reasons. Yeah, and you talk to enough people, and and this is where the conjecture comes into play. And I think... I think it's more than that. I think everybody has a valid reason. I think ev- every component that people bring up is likely correct. Is it? Is it that we've come off of COVID and people aren't locked in their house anymore and aren't buying more bottles than they should? Yes. Now that we're out of COVID, are people spending money on vacations rather than bottles? Probably. Now that we're out of COVID and inflation is up, are people choosing to Mm. feed their family and fill their cars more than they are to buy bottles? Perhaps, uh, you know, now we just heard a report that uh, American credit card debt is over a trillion dollars. Are people paying off their credit cards rather than buying that next bottle? Perhaps, right? All of these things point to yes and and maybe it's it's like a cocktail here of of reasons. So here's here's what's so telling in listening to everything you just said there. At no point was there a suggestion that passion is down mm. or that the craze is dying. Yeah. Instead it's these these realities of existence, right? Mm -hmm. When we weren't putting gasoline in our cars, we were online buying bottles of booze that we could (laughs) ship to our front doors. Yep. In a a moment ago, when you said there, you know, people expanded their collections over the course of, of COVID and the pandemic and the lockdown. And so we might not be buying as much, but not because we have less interest in it, but because we're sitting on so much of it. So my question to you is, Mm. do you think the passion is still there at the same heights that it has been previously? So I think that it definitely is. The concern that I have, however, 
is that that passion needs fuel. And if you don't mm. feed it, mm. then that passion can wane, can can be mm. diverted into something else. And so this is something mm. that I've been vacillating on, you know, how, how do how do we prevent that? Because you are correct. People are still right. You go to Facebook, go to Instagram, you see all the crotch shots that people are posting. You see uh, of bottles oh, within their crotches, oh. Jason. Right. <laughs> this is a thing. Oh, I did not make it sound any better. No. Yeah. It, it's I put people putting bottles on their crotches. Oh, they put their watches on the bottles, then stick the bottles in their crotches. Then there may be a knife next to it, perhaps a gun. Like this is America, baby. I'm I'm apparently missing nothing on social media. <laughs> yeah, you don't need to come back. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay. Um, all right. So 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 let's hold that thought. Let's okay. let's put a pin in that, and let's maybe return to that as we go yeah. along here. So so David uh, continues here on on the back of this conjecture and generalization. He says, as one retail buyer wrote to me in an email last week, quote, once the early adopters tap out we can't be successful with a brand for much longer than the initial launch. Customers move on to the next release period. And so what's what's really interesting to me there, and, and again, as we said at the top of this episode, I'm thinking both Scotch and I'm, and I'm thinking American. Sure. When you think of, a, of American bourbon releases, you know, mm. I'm sure it's happened for some rise as well, but we're talking allocation. We're, we're talking about feverish demand upon launch. And, and, I, and you know, I, I don't know if I've talked about it, maybe because it just it bamboozles me, but we've made another change to our Virginia system. And so whereas they had they'd moved into the lottery world, they've now gone for an email drop system. So mm. we will receive emails saying, and, and it's a list, I, I don't know, there must be, I don't know, 160, 170 liquor stores in Virginia, all owned by the Virginia government. Okay. And, and they, will, they will put a list of maybe 80 stores who have received product. Uh, and you, you look up your store number, you maybe you know, click the URL. They don't tell you what's being dropped. They only tell you you get one bottle per customer. So hmm. why why would I leave my house? Why would I drive to my store? Why would I yeah. walk into a store? Why would I be amongst other people wandering around like headless chickens? Why would I ask the person at the front desk, hey, what dropped and what can I buy and what's available? And it just you said a second ago, you know, you gotta give fuel to that passion. I feel like they have seriously pissed on the fire of passion. And then now they're just like, is it out? Let's, let's piss some more. Okay, yeah. now is it out? Could you piss on this to make sure this is definitely out? Right? It's it's so uninteresting. <laughs> and I just had a conversation with a friend the other day who had yeah. said, oh yeah, I just happened to walk into the store the other day for something else. And there was an allocated bottle on the shelf, right? Like if the goal was to get people to stop being excited and to show up and, and buy things, they have succeeded uh, incredibly well. It's and, and so huh. so in in David's article, and we don't have it as a quotable, but in David's article, 
he talks about when you start to see allocated bottles show up at Costco, right? Because the producer released so much of it, Mm. but it was released on allocation. So not everybody who wanted to buy it for their store was able to buy it. Not everyone who wants to put it on a shelf was able to then buy it from a shelf. So now it shows up in Costco. I think we got to be careful because I think there's a couple of directions you can take that. Number one, you can see it on Costco and say, whoa, this has jumped the shark, right? Nobody bought that when it was at retail. Now it showed up at Costco. Wow. Mm. Yeah, that the passion has gone, right? The passion has died. Mm. Or you could take the position, it's become so difficult to buy some of these bottles that when it shows up at Costco, it's because it's trickled down from all the places it would have normally appeared to landing at Costco. So yeah. I, I don't think that's a correct view of how distributors deal with Costco. Getting mm-hmm. product into Costco is incredibly difficult. Distributors, mm-hmm. producers, etc., want product in, into Costco because that is an area where what we're talking about, where we're talking about the the sort of fall of sales on core products. And I know we'll get to that a little bit later on. This is where Costco excels. And getting core product into Costco is simply not an easy thing at all. Mm-hmm. So so I would argue that this view of, well, it didn't sell in the specialty shop. It looks like uh, Costco is picking up the dregs. I don't think that that's correct. I don't think that's the proper way to look at this situation. Do you think Costco are making requests of producers, of distributors? You know, I, I don't want to paint Costco as just selling what what lands in their laps. Yeah. But on that side of things, you know, obviously here I am in Virginia, our Costco it definitely does not sell hard liquor. Like that is uh, not okay. showing up there for us at all. When I hear Costco and liquor sales, I think California. Right. You know, Ca- uh, California seems to have too. so many doors yeah. open. So you can get hard liquor in your mm-hmm. Costco. Yeah, it's a, it's, it's a separate ah. store within Costco. So it sort of operates under its own liquor license. And so they do wine and spirits, but but no beer, if I remember correctly. But you can, you know, my my Costco is going to have your cheapest chips you know, Bernheim, seven-year-old wheat whiskey, you know, just your your everyday drinkers. Yeah. But to yeah. your point with some of these California shops, there's like $30,000 bottles up there, um, you know, really specialty stuff. So, you know, that that's another thing is depending on the Costco and the clientele that that Costco has, they may be able to cater to them a bit more with their buying power. Exactly, yeah. exactly, exactly. And that, that was the original point I was making about Costco, mm. is not, is it just getting the trickle down on standard items, but for example, some of the ones in California, are they then seen as the last chance to sell the allocated product that hasn't moved in other places? Uh, and, and to close out, just because we're playing the shell game with Costco here, my Costco in Virginia sells wine and beer, but not hard liquor. 
<laughs> you're saying yours has got wine and hard liquor, but not beer. But who knows? And then California, they're selling $30,000 bottles at Costco. Yeah, that's funny. <laughs> All Costco's are not created equal. <laughs> no. So, so let's let's move away from Costco okay, here. Okay. Um, and so so David, David has a, a key quote in his article here where he says, um, and, and this is back hot on the heels of the retail buyer saying, you know, early adopters tap out. Um, he says, in many cases, a new whiskey is better than a good whiskey. And I I think that is that is a million dollar quote from within the article. Right. 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 That that is so key. And and so again, in American land, American sales, American spirits, we we do talk about allocation, right? I, I just had this conversation the other day at, at my kids' soccer game. But at one of the dads I'd been talking to at the start of the summer, and I was telling him about single cast nation and putting out our wild turkeys, and mm-hmm. you know the 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 demand that exists for those and selling those via lottery, and mm-hmm. and and he said, "Oh, I thought of you when I was in the store the other day." <laughs> I was like, "Oh yeah," he says, "Yeah, I'd, I was standing in the bourbon section just looking around with no idea what to buy, and I I saw the wild turkey, and I." Picked up a wild turkey. Beauty. I was like, "Oh, that that's fantastic!" You know, which one? He said, "I don't really know." I said, "Oh, okay, okay. Well, what was your price point on it? Yeah. Because you know, there's some great, great places." And he said, oh, "I don't know. It was probably like forty bucks or something." And I, and I said to him, like, "Oh, that you know, you may have very well picked up one of their single casks at that price, right? Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. the, you know, the, the six year old Ryan comes in at that price, yeah." And he was like, yeah, I just don't know. And, he, and, and then he kind of got apologetic. He was like, you know, you know one day I'll, I'll buy one of those more expensive bottles. And I was like, dude, you you don't have to. No. Like, uh-uh. You can get great liquid at $40. Like, don't stress moving up to the hundreds, the 150s, the 250s. Yeah. Don't stress it. But it, it was so interesting that he saw it as his own liquor store failing. Oh, my gosh. Um, yeah, and he, and he, and what was he buying? A good whiskey. What was he not buying? A new whiskey. If we're apologizing for buying good whiskey, we've got a problem. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I mean, if he had seen Wild Turkey One Hundred and One up there, it may have been twenty five, twenty eight dollars. That's what I told him. Around there, that's exactly what I told him. And that is a day in, day out, every day, great drinker. Like that is the stuff that you, if you want to help the whiskey industry out, if you want to not be apologizing, that's what you buy because that's what pays the right. bills. That's what keeps people employed. <laughs> right, right. But yeah. but isn't it so interesting that as we have built the passion, as we've built the demand mm. for these brown spirits, people who are standing in front of the shelves saying, what should I buy? What did I last hear about? Right? It, it's it's so tricky that unless you're unless you're attached to social media and you're seeing the latest and greatest posted, hmm. you're not necessarily thinking what's the everyday. I, I was thinking about this this morning when you and I were were preparing to to put this episode together. You and I recorded an episode where we talked about 
five bottles that should be on everybody's shelf. Yeah. Right. And I want to say my five were scotch. And I want to say your five were scotch. And so maybe we did five scotches that everyone should have on their shelf. Uh I think there's room for us to circle back to five bourbons that people should have on their shelves. Agreed. Right? I'm really taking David's post, his, his blog post, to heart here. And thinking it is too easy for us to fall in love with the one-off, with the sexy. And I, I'm going to circle back to this in, in one second. Let's yeah. let's get David's voice back in here again. Um, okay. David says, the most effective call to action for consumers at the moment is the opportunity to try something new and post about it on social media. Once it's checked off the list, a whiskey's modern utility has been used up. Like... This, this is what I was saying about the crotch shots. It's it's mm-hmm. become this for for modern whiskey drinkers. There's this aspect, this this like Captain Ahab aspect of you've gone out and you found something in the wild, and you need to let people know you've done that. You got the bottle. You're in the car. You take the the, the crotch shot and you post it and you say. Look what I found in the wild. And then you wait for all of the internet trolls to say, yeah, but for what price? Ooh, in the wild, you know, and it becomes this like <laughs> annoying conversation for like regular whiskey folk to to read. But it really is that thing. It's like, okay, I've captured that, done, dusted, on to the next thing. Now what mm-hmm. now it's the next conquest. And then the next yep. conquest after that. And and that wasn't case you know again really quickly pre-2013 before pappy became what pappy is every year around the fall time i would go to the liquor store and i'd say oh is the pappy out great oh you got the bottle i'd grab my bottle of 15 i'd leave all the other bottles there because i only need my bottle I drank that bottle over the course of a few months, six months, a year, whatever it is, sharing it with friends. And then next year, I would do the same thing. And that's what people did. You'd get the annual special release and you'd go back to it. And then you would have your everyday drinkers, whether it was a Wild Turkey 101 or Balvenny 12-year-old or what have you. Just these things that were always, we're having friends over. I'm pouring some of this. You know, it's... And now it's 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 a different game. It's a different game. Yeah, the, to, to circle back to the example I was going to give a, a, a second ago, our friends at Ardbeg, hmm. who we 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 love dearly and have a, had a long standing relationship with, mm-hmm. right? Ardbeg has key releases that live on shelves that I buy, that I drink, that mm-hmm. I share. Uh, that I turn people on to. We be steep talk about all the time. That may very well have been one of my five, depending on when we recorded that that list. I still have not purchased Heavy Vapors. And the the most recent special release. Uh, <laughs> although an email came out last week about the next special release. So, you know, <laughs> everything is time sensitive. <laughs> And then, then I was with Scott Harris uh, and Becky Harris at Catoctin Creek last week. Mm. And Scott said, oh, I picked up that Heavy Vapors. And I said, oh, I haven't tried it. I didn't purchase it. 
I have kind of moved away from the special releases in looking to support the standard releases. Yeah. You know, the yeah. things you can hang your hat on and, and that, you know, still come in at a cracking little price. You know, yeah. We Beastie, last time I bought it, was $45 for the bottle. Five-year-old uh, Arbeg. Yep. I bought six. Yeah. I will yes, please tell no lies yeah. to our viewers or our listeners. I bought a six-pack. I've since sold some to my friends for $45 a bottle. So there's, there's potential passion mm. there for standard line if you create it, if you focus on it, if you share it. But if it does just come down to the latest Scorch or the latest Heavy Vapors or Fair Mutation or what the latest story, mm. uh, Bizarre Barbecue, right? Like if it just comes down to the latest story, it clearly fosters the I got my bottle. Where's your bottle? Yeah, it's 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 this unusual. It's a, it's a quite an unusual thing where the consumer is being trained mm -hmm. almost sure. to oh, sure. to be to react to these and say, "Oop, I've got the special one. I'm searching for the special one." And and the hope is that the special one brings you into the core. But we're starting to see, as mm -hmm. as evidenced yeah. by this article here. It's it's not as bringing you away from the core, which is which is what we need to change. Which which makes me think of a comment you made when we were discussing blends, mm. and I was asking the question about are blends considered aspirational? That from the blend you would then move into the core. Mm. And your comment was no. Blends seem to be for people who look to enjoy blends. The core single malts are for people who tend to enjoy the core single malts. You just made the comment a second ago that the specials are hopefully bringing people into the core. Do you think there's a possibility that specials are just for the people who buy the specials? The problem is fewer people are now buying the cores. Yeah. Yeah, I I, I don't know that, that, that it's a situation where the specials are meant for the people who only buy the specials. Um, I think that just is sort of what happens. My, my concern is that people have, have simply switched to getting the core because they're too busy buying all the specials, not drinking the core. And so they just <laughs> have the core bottles at, at home. Why buy another bottle of Wee Beastie if you've just gotten for mutation, bizarre barbecue, heavy vapors? Maybe you traveled. Maybe you got the one from the Manzanilla cast, the smoke trails. Yeah, whatever, the smoke right? trails. Yeah. Uh, yep. and, and so on. And, you know, but at the same time, and maybe this is a much smaller percentage, back to your friend who said, hey, you know, I know you, you sell wild turkey. Because of that, I went ahead and bought one of their core, right? I mean, that that's always been our hope, that when we bottle mm -hmm. whiskey from distillery A, B, or C, is that we've introduced people to that distillery and have turned mm -hmm. them on to it. And and that's always the hope. That always felt like our job to to For sure. get people to buy our whiskey, but get turn them on to that distillery's core product. Mm -hmm. 
and remains. Yeah, uh, yeah. absolutely remains. Yeah. Um, listen, there's there's a there's a section of of David that I'm going to leave our viewers and listeners to go chase up for themselves. Okay, but he he talks about during COVID, the building of collections and people sharing. He then talks about scalability and, mm. you know, any producer who has success then wants to scale that success and move up. So I'm, I'm going to leave our viewers and our listeners to go back to, to 219.com and check that out for themselves because I, I want a bit of time to dis- discuss this last point that gets made uh, in the article. And I'm going to give you a little bit of context here. David in his article kind of draws this line in the sand between those of us 45, 50 and above Hmm. and those of us 45, 50 and below. Hmm. And you and I, my good gentlemen, are right right on the 5-0 cusp, which is wild when when we make throwaway comments about Uh 50-year-olds. So... So, so, so David's suggestion is there's a way business has happened. Mm-hmm. And for people like us, that's what we understand. That's what we know. That's what we've seen. That's what we've proselytized. For those younger than us, they, they are learning about this industry very differently. So uh, David writes, there's an old adage in the booze business that a number of distributors will swear by today. The on-premise builds the off. And so that's bars, restaurants are the on-premise, the, yeah. the places where you drink on-site. And then there's the retail store, the off-license, as we grew up calling it in Scotland, where you take your booze off-site, hopefully not to a graveyard, hopefully to your home, uh, where you hashtag drink the whole bottle responsibly. And he's reaching for the banner right now. (laughs) (laughs) Quick, quick to the banner. (laughs) Yeah, please, please don't drink your carry out in graveyards. Save that for the 14 year olds. Graveyards. Oh, very popular spot in Scotland. Very popular. Checks out. So, 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 so. Here's this whole thing about on-premise bars and restaurants. Bars and restaurants especially got hammered with the pandemic. We're not telling our viewers and listeners anything they do not know, right? They got absolutely hammered. So where are people learning about spirits now? Social media. Mm -hmm. What's the problem with learning about spirits through social media? It's one and done. It's the hit and move on. It's it's the crotch shot that you've been describing in today's episode. You, sir, oversee a team across the United States responsible for brand building and brand selling. Hmm. What are you seeing in this on-premise, off-premise? Wow. (laughs) Premise? (laughs) Yeah, I transitioned to presence and I moved too far into my own sentence. So what what are you seeing with this on-premise, off-presence, social media world? Yeah, it's it's <laughs> it's interesting. I, I I don't disagree. I think that that old adage that David Driscoll brings up, you know, that the on-premise builds the off, remains true. However, I I think you can talk to many bar owners, many restaurateurs that uh, you know at any time today, and they'll tell you business is slow. 
Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And so I, I would argue that the old adage needs to be adjusted mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because, well, for a few things, post-COVID, people are gathering more. I don't know. I don't know what your neighborhoods look like, but I'm seeing more and more parties, more and more situations where people are getting together and more and more situations where those who run whiskey societies are getting Mm -hmm. people to come in. So I would argue that the off premise builds the off as well. (laughs) <laughs> where and and this is you know this is this really in my opinion is 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 sales 101 where yes you always want to sell to to on premise to bars to restaurants because people can buy a shot give it a go and then go home and buy a bottle or and then this is the other side this is where off feeds the off on Friday or Saturday, be that person that's in a store that says, do you want to taste X? And if you mm. sell that bottle of X to someone, that someone's going to go home, they're going to have a party, they're going to invite friends, and they're going to say, I just bought this bottle of Larceny, or I just bought this bottle of, you know, insert whiskey here, insert rum here. And now they're pouring it for free to all of their friends. Free is so much nicer than having to pay for a shot, right? Which I think is part of why you're hearing bars and restaurants saying, you know, business is slowed a little bit. Mm-hmm. So so I think that old adage should be changed to sharing is caring, right? It's, it's getting <laughs> that one bottle into a person that turns who's who's become a min, a mini brand ambassador for you. This is why so many distilleries want visitors so they can go home with the bottle, share it with friends, share it with loved ones and, and so on. And to me that's the exact point David's making in his piece, which is the the bartender was your in situ brand ambassador. Yeah. Right. And so now, yeah, that that role still seems to exist in in your scenario. It's just shifted from the person you can gain access to when you do a an on premise visit. Yeah, and you're like, hey, br- bring up the staff here, staff, taste this, pour this, taste that, talk about this, right? Now, unless you're in the store, unless you're pouring, unless you make contact with that purchaser, that consumer. Mm you don't necessarily know who's taking this back to their group of friends and and who isn't. Yeah. Or when that group of friends have tasted all the, the, you know, the standard items and now they're all crying out for the special and they've gone through the special items and now they're calling out for the old and rare, right? (laughs) You you and I always, I I feel like you and I often talk towards a a, a same conclusion here. We started the episode saying we we don't have conclusions, but but I think we do have one running conclusion, which is no group is a monolith. And many, many different groups of people interact with spirits in many different ways. And if you start eyeballing one and Mm. you say, well, that one's dead or that one's jumped the shark, you know, there, there is another one. There's, there's probably multiples and, yeah. and David in his article, you know, covers Reddit groups and social media 
mm-hmm. and backyard tasting societies and on-premise and off-premise. And we have talked to retailers, right? It, so it's, it's always hard to say. And, and it's so funny. I feel like I've, I've got my upbeat hat on today and I had my downbeat hat on in the last episode. You know, my upbeat hat today is there are always consumers. There, it's finding them. It's finding them where they're at, right? It's reminding them, hey, don't forget about the Macar Bay when you're chasing the Kilhoman single casts. Yeah, exactly. Don't just fall in love with two-year-old anticipation. Mm -hmm. Also pay attention to what it's doing in the 2020s. This is, again, still Kilhoman chat. But but it's it's that getting out and about and saying, okay, there's there's a number of different ways to go about it. And, and, And final thing I'll say is, as almost 50-year-olds and now looking into the past at 45-year-olds who are looking at the 20 and 30 groups, right? We all come to this in different ways and we all interact with this in different ways. But what's so key to me from today's episode is the question that I asked you way back in the beginning, which is the passion still seems to be there. Let's find ways to sell to passionate people. Yeah, I, I I love it. And, you know, on a personal level, there's there's that that hope for us. And by us, I mean independent <laughs> bottlers where we are always focusing on the new. You know, even at times when core was king, there was the place for the independent bottler and for the growth of the independent bottler because there was always that segment of people who wanted to discover that new, that different, what's the next flavor. Mm-hmm. And for sure. And and so I'm so I feel well, there's a bit of excitement that, you know, that sh- there's that shift of people, what's the new, what's mm-hmm. the latest, greatest thing. There's also a bit of comfort to me, back to your comment before about David Driscoll focusing primarily on American whiskey. This mm-hmm. may be touching Scotch, maybe in a smaller way touching world world whiskeys. What's nice about Scotch whiskey and world whiskeys is that we can get out of that new charred oak prison, if you will. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't call mm-hmm. it a prison, but you really are locked into a, a set of key flavors. And once you get out of that new charred oak, which Scotch whiskey does, which world whiskeys do, the opportunity from jump to bottling to bottling to bottling to discover new and more diverse flavors, that's right. That's the place where we live. That's the stuff that we sell. And I'm just glad that that if David Driscoll is right, our little kiddie pool is where mm-hmm. people mm-hmm. may want to live a bit more. <laughs> Yeah, no, I think I think that's well said. Uh, also, yeah. Um, sorry, I'm I'm thinking about what you said. So, so but it, it, brain, two things. Once, I am nearly fifty. You know, uh, I don't know what you're months. talking about. I'm not inside the final six month countdown, but I am inside the final twelve month countdown. Um, okay, good, good stuff, good stuff. Uh, could you do me a favor? I can. Because I I can't think of it off the top of my head, but could you put our our five bottles uh, list that we each came up with? Could you put that episode link into the show notes for people, uh, yeah. so that they can 
click mm-hmm. through and, and have a look at that. And I think we definitely want to do something for, for Bourbons and Rise as well. Um, really, first of all, we have to go back and re-listen to that yeah, episode yeah. and see if it was Scotch-focused and see what else we did throw it's in us, there. It's us, dude. Oh, it was Scotch whiskey-focused. You think so? Well, you don't think we threw in like one edition? Well, yeah, I, I think it was at the very least malt whiskey-focused mm-hmm. mm-hmm. with you maybe dropping in a compass box Glasgow's mm-hmm. blend or great oh, for cake, sure, you know, for sure, right? So for sure, Glasgow's blend was in there for sure. Yeah. But yeah, if if we can if we can track down what that episode is and pop it in the notes, okay. and then you and I can talk about maybe coming back at a later date with a with one for bourbon and rye. That'd be, that can be a fun challenge. I wonder if the episode we said we'll come back with one for bourbon and rye. Uh, I have my five off the top of my head, so this is. This, uh, I'm just saying, I'm ready. It's all I'm saying. Okay. I'm ready. Okay. Okay. Look at us both off like, whew, whew, hands up, <laughs> slow, down. slow down, go easy. It's a tight 35, we, we got to get out of here. All right, if you want to drop us a, a note, we always love to hear from you. Info at singlecastnation.com or questions at one nation under whiskey.com, no E in whiskey. Uh, ter- terrific chat. I'm, I'm going to spend the rest of today thinking about the evolution of on-premise and off-premise and, and meeting passionate whiskey lovers where they are. And uh, in continuing to sell whiskey, Joshua. Yeah. All yeah. Right. Until um, until next episode. Well, we, what do we tell? What we're do out we of tell? here. No. Oh gosh. All Jason. right. All right. You you tell them, Joshua. You tell them. Tell them fast. There you go. Smash that subscribe button below and tickle that bell to be reminded of new episodes. I think that's what the kids say. Tickle that bell. Oh, Lord. TTB. It's TTB, Jason. Tickle that bell. I've always wondered what that government acronym stood for. To now know that it's tickle that bell really helps me out. That makes me feel a lot better about sending them our labels. Uh, All right. Until next time, uh, hashtag please drink that entire bottle responsibly. Um, (laughs) Please drink the whole (laughs) bottle responsibly. Without cars, Uh, without car keys, like seriously, be responsible human beings. Yes, not in Uh, graveyards. uh, All right. And the message remains, Joshua. Peace. Peace.